Thank you, Mr. Sabini, for taking time out of your busy day to call into Buzzard View Manor. I have a few questions here that some of my, okay. fo- some of my followers wanted to ask you. The first question is from JP, and his question is, from everything you have done, from acting, SFX, directing, teaching, out of all of those, what are you mostly proud of? Okay. What is it about that one thing that brings you joy from it? Well, let's see. When I was um, when I was doing special makeup effects, and maybe I shouldn't phrase it that way. I've really never stopped. There's a misconception that I've retired, but I still consult. I you know I just did a movie in Australia where I was just a consultant. But um, I think I think directing is where most of the joy is that, that I get from doing these things. Because when, when you're the director, you're in charge of all the departments, you know. Um, there was a freedom with special makeup effects because it was in my contract that I got to direct. And that's why my books are called Grand Illusions. I think of them as grand illusions, as magic tricks. So when you're the director, you're in charge of all those departments, and especially if it's something that you've written, if it's a project of your own, because, you know what, as I'm saying this, as I'm saying this, I am thinking that it's the same exact thing. Special makeup effects, directing, acting, and I've never thought of this before. It's amazing. I just thought of this right now. But you're doing the exact same thing. You are giving life to something that never existed before. You do it in special makeup effects when you create a monster or creature, and through animatronics you bring it to life, like Fluffy from Creepshow, Lizzie from Tales from the Dark Side. As an actor, you're bringing a character to life that didn't exist before. As a director, you're bringing a whole movie experience to life. You're giving life to something that didn't exist before. And that's that's just thrills that exist in all of us. So I'm thinking what what's which one of those gives me the most pleasure? Well they all do the same thing. So they all give me the equal amount of pleasure pleasure because again you're giving life to something that never existed before. We call that the Frankenstein syndrome. You know, uh Dr. Frankenstein gave life to this creature that never existed before. But we're doing that with uh, with art. When you're directing and you're in charge of all those departments, you're bringing all those departments together to bring life to something, to a movie, a TV series, you know? So, and that's, I should have written this down. It is not in my books, mm-hmm. but that answer, you made me think that that is the same, the same exact thing happens, the same Pleasure from giving life to something exists in all of those acting, directing, special makeup effects, teaching. You know, teaching. You're giving, you're giving a, a student information. You're, you're turning the student into something that didn't exist before. You're turning him into a special makeup effects artist. So, damn it, I'm going to write this down as soon as we hang up because I think it's profound that I never thought of this before. 
Thanks for making me think of it. It's my follower who had a really great question. Oh, please thank JT for me profusely because he made me realize something that I can certainly use in the cameos that I do for people. That is a profound thing. Next question is from a gentleman that goes by the name Horror Junkie. Horror Junkie. Okay. Yes. And his question is, what effect project throughout your career stretched you or drew you out of your creativity the most? Let's see, what, well, that would have to be Creepshow because that was five movies, yeah. five little movies. And uh, I did all of that with just me and a 17-year-old little assistant that I hired. So there's five movies, and they, they were all five different movies. One had a corpse coming out of the grave, Father's Day. One had Stephen King turning into a giant plant. One was 28,000 cockroaches from Trinidad attacking E.G. Marshall. So they were vastly, every one of them was vastly different. And that was, that was the most fun. That really was a stretch to do that all by yourself. I mean, the movies I did after that, I had stellar crews of like eight to ten people, you know, uh, on, on a movie like Day of the Dead. Um, but Creepshow, I would have to say it was everything in because I had never done an animatronic creature before Creepshow. Fluffy, I've never done anything like Fluffy, so... You know, I called Rob Bottin on the song. Rob Bottin, of course, who did the howling and uh, Total Recall and, uh, God, so many more, uh, the thing. You know, I called him on the phone and asked him how to do it. He kept me on the phone for two hours and explained step by step. See, there's no competition among us. Well, there used to not be any competition between all our special makeup effects artists. To me, it was a huge brotherhood. We helped each other. I would call Rick Baker and compliment him on something or ask him how he did something, you know. And in this case, it brought Botin. And like I said, he taught me how to do an animatronic creature. So that was a real stretch for me. And then I, of course, duplicated such a thing with Lizzie in the closet, inside the closet episode of Kelsey's So my short answer would be creature. Okay. You know, by the way, we all love Creepshow. Thank you. As a teacher, did you ever gain new insight from any of your students? Was there something new that you learned from them? Yes. I, I've had, you know, I do conventions, horror conventions all the time. And um, this kid came up to my table one day, and he was, he had his hands in his pocket, he had his head down. He looked kind of sad, you know, and... Uh, so I was curious, you know, what, what's the matter? He looked forlorn, you know. And he gave me this story. He told me this story about how he had a terrible life growing up. Parents were abusive, you know, and uh, he wasn't any good in their eyes. And uh, he was going to kill himself. He must have been 17 or 18. He, was, he said he was going to do himself in. But he read something that I said, something in either my Green Illusions book or the and it gave him a whole new outlook on life. It made him want to have life, to continue living, you know. And, you know, I I wanted to, I almost broke down in tears. I got up, I came around the table, 
I hugged him, and I guess I made him feel worthwhile. I think I made him feel uh, that living was worth it. So, you know, a couple of years later, um, I, I do a horror convention called Steel City here in Pittsburgh, Steel City Con. And uh, one of the guys that helps run the show, uh, Will, Will is his name, um, we became good friends. And um, I invited him to a screening of my documentary at my school, Smoking Mirrors. And we're just chatting away. He said, by the way, do you remember me? And I kept looking at him like, yeah, there was something familiar. He was the kid. Wow. He was the kid. But, you know, so what I learned was we have a huge effect mm-hmm. on people. You know, I'm, a, I'm just a guy that lives in Pittsburgh. You know, I have a small house here. It's mainly a museum holding all my stuff, you know. And it's only when something like that happens that you realize, well, you said it earlier, you know, I'm an icon, I'm loved. I don't think of myself that way, but I realize that I do have an effect on people. And he he's the second person that came up to me at the table with a story like that. I had a bad childhood. So it makes me feel kind of lucky that I grew up in the 50s with all those great monster movies and learning, you know, makeup and doing it to me and my friends. Um, what I learned was I can have a huge effect on people. And that, and it happens all the time at the school. But um, one of the things I do in my cameos is I show people. Now, a lot of people that do cameos, they'll say, hey, happy birthday, Ian. And they hang up. Well, I give, them, I give them almost five minutes of my time. I take them on a tour of my shop and my house, you know. One of the things I show them is a sculpture of uh, Tim Curry as darkness and legend. And I explain to them that this is a student, Darren Holt, who came to the school and never sculpted before. And you put clay in front of him, and this came out of him. And this is so true of so many of my students. They never sculpted before. That They have something inside of them that they didn't know they had. You put clay in front of them and they start pushing it around and they suddenly realize they can sculpt something. They can, they can again, give life to something that never existed before. Mr. Savini, words have power. Yes. That's why, you know, I try to, with people that I engage, I try to be positive with them because you don't know what they're going through. You don't know where they are in life. And being positive to someone, sometimes that's all they need to move forward, just to well, keep going at it. That's another answer. That's another answer to the question. What you just said. Yeah. Being positive. It doesn't take. It doesn't take a lot of effort to be kind and nice and positive. And um, when I did Dust Till Dawn, George Clooney was the nicest man I've ever met, and he was so inspiring. He was inspiring in that yes, it does not take a lot of effort. And uh, but he, he just made me feel so good the way he treated people. And I just wanted to keep, I wanted to do that myself. Right. J.D. Rock, he wants to know, what was it like working with Joe Spinell? What was it like working on the movie Maniac, being in New York during the Grindhouse era? What were your experiences about 42nd Street? You know, I was just going to say that. When you said New York, the first thing I thought of was, that 42nd Street was the old 42nd Street, with all those grindhouse movie theaters and hookers and uh, 
drug addicts, you know, it was uh, it was quite a sight. Now today it's Disney World. When I did Maniac, that's what New York was like. And the and I didn't make I made hardly any money doing that movie. I did that movie for five thousand dollars, and that was nothing. I did the movie because I wanted to live in New York for two or three months. Yeah, I was living there for free. You know, they gave me an apartment. You know, and uh, it was wonderful to be in New York. And uh, Joe Spinell, I, you know, I, I just really wanted to meet Joe Spinell because of The Godfather and Taxi Driver and all those great movies that I saw him in. But sitting around with him and creating the movie, Maniac, I mean, he wanted to do outlandish things, you know. <laughs> and I, was, I would have to say things like, no, no, Joe, please. We're not going to do that to a woman, okay? Uh, I won't be more specific, but, you know, he wanted to bite things off. I no, 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 Joe. So we kept it to, you know, garroting somebody and, or stabbing somebody. That was bad enough, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and my, head, my head blowing up in the car was totally my idea. I had, a, I had a mask of myself that was in the trunk of my car. And I said to Bill Lustig, the director, hey, why don't we, you know, have the maniac blow some guy's head off? Because I had just done that in Dawn of the Dead. You know? So uh, I got to do that. And it was just great fun. Joe Spinell was a character. He took me to the set of Nighthawks and introduced me to Sylvester Stallone. You know, he took me, we were pals. We hung out and I don't drink, but I would go to bars with him and drink a Coke or something. And he had all these amazing stories, you know. And what's ironic is, you know, I gave him his severed head from Maniac and he had it on, on top of his television. So, you know, he's lying there on the floor with his feet toward the door. When the police came in, they saw his body and blood all over the place. And they saw that head on the TV. Oh, no. And they thought that was, they thought that was his head, you know, that somebody had beheaded him, you know. So um, I think we told that story in the supplemental material on the Maniac uh, DVD. Promote horror. So his question is, is there a movie or a TV series? you wish that you were a part of, whether it be in acting or behind the scenes? Is there someone you wish that you could work with in the business that you haven't yet? Let's see. Yeah, I'd love to work with Jim Cameron. In fact, um, I almost did. Uh, there was a movie a long time ago called Galaxy of Terror. It was a Roger Corman movie. And um, they called me and asked me to do the effects on it. Of course, it was in L.A. Uh, you know, I live in Pittsburgh. It was insultingly low, and I turned it down, and I'm so sorry, because had I done that movie, I would have worked with James Cameron. He was a FX guy and, and special, and the second unit director, and, uh, you know, my life might be different today if I had met and worked with James Cameron, and, you know, established that friendship movie. Well, you know what? I've always wished that I could go back in time to, like, 1925, and be at MGM or Universal back then. See Lon Chaney put the Phantom of the Opera makeup on. Ah. I would I would have been on the set of Frankenstein. You know, I think if I could go back in time. In fact, uh, I, I totally believe in reincarnation. Uh, simply because of my first memories. To me, it was like I was someplace else. I've written this in my biography. That's the first paragraph of my biography. I say I was born when I was very young. It's kind of a joke, of course, but I, what I meant was, you know, I gave existence to this this child, this 
less than a year old child because I was very smart. I knew everything and I had just come from somebody else. And suddenly I missed a little kid. So I believe in reincarnation. So when I talked to Ron Cheney, Ron Cheney's grandson, I say to him, you know, I believe in reincarnation. So why did the movie Man of a Thousand Faces change my life so drastically? I mean, why wasn't that just another movie that I went to see, like Teenage Werewolf or Teenage Frankenstein or Creature from the Black Lagoon? Why did Man of a Thousand Faces change my life so completely and drastically and made me want to be one of the guys that creates the monsters? So, and I'm, I'm joking with Ron now, and I'm saying, I believe that I'm your grandfather. <laughs> I believe that I'm Ron Cheney. And I, in a different life, I was him. Because why else would I? But that movie about Ron Cheney has affected me so much. So, anyway, that's my running joke with Ron Cheney. But, uh, but that movie, well, Made of a Thousand Faces, is the whole reason I do what I do. Um, I was so floored by, in fact, for years, I, not for years, but for a long time, I thought Ron Cheney was James Cagney. Because James Cagney was Ron Cheney. It wasn't until Famous Monsters Magazine that I saw the real Lon Chaney and realized, okay, that's a big difference, okay. But Man of the Thousand Faces is the movie I wish I could have been around for that or any of the universal horror movies back in the day. But uh, James Cameron, Spielberg, of course, I would love to work with Spielberg. Um, but I've worked with some pretty damn good directors, Robert Woodby, just like Tarantino. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've done that. Uh, and there might be people who might think I would like to work with those guys, and I have, so I don't feel too bad. Well, this is just me, and when I saw that question, I thought, ooh, I know who I would like to see him work with. It's, and it's only because I'm a huge fan of him. Anthony de Blasi, he did uh, Last Shift, Missionary, Extraminary. He's just such a good director. Well, I love those and so we have one more question for you, Mr. Savini. And this question comes from Dave. He is a DGA film producer. He's worked on VHS Viral and also Siren that came out in 2016. He's also, okay. he's also worked with Light as a Feather on Hulu. The one called Saving Zoe. His question is, how did you approach doing the remake? of Night of the Living Dead, while still honoring the original? Well, I certainly did want to honor the original. So my first plan was to hire actors that looked as much like the original characters as possible, except for Barbara. And you might notice that that's true. Uh, Tom Tolles, the bald Harry in the basement. Tony Todd was very Dwayne Jones. In fact, he knew Dwayne Jones. Um, the young kids, uh, the mother, you know, they all, as much as I could when I was casting, find people that looked like the original characters. But Barbara, I knew my Barbara was not going to be a brain-dead twit like the Barbara in the original. And I know Judy O'Day very well. In fact, I did a, I did a ballet with her when I was 14. I did the Red Shoes Ballet Judy O'Day in Philadelphia Academy of Music, and we did children's theater together. 
But uh, but in that movie, in the original movie, she was a brain dead twit and wasn't helpful at all, you know. But I wanted my Barbara to be a hero because I had seen Alien, Sigourney Weaver was a female hero. I wanted my Barbara to be a female hero and come back and say, dead, which is why my movie is very faithful to the original movie, except when it comes to Barbara's character. Barbara's character art, and you get a bit of a sequel in my night Mr. Savini, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to chat with us, to call in, entertaining us all these years. Last but not least, thank you for your service 